You're listening to a sermon from Tyler Christian Fellowship in Tyler, Texas. Find us on the web at tcftyler.com or send us an email, tcftyler at gmail.com. Worship the Lord and uh, you just make yourself at home and let God speak to you because I know he wants to do that. Uh, we're faithful to uh, seek him. He's always faithful to be found. And uh, he's really good at that, and he delights in that. So just uh, really blessed that you're with us today. So the kids are going to go to children's ministry, so they can go now. I want to share a message this morning that's, uh, I titled it as a question, and the question is, did he really rise? And uh, my scripture uh, to start off this morning is from Romans uh, 10, uh, 9 and 10. It says, if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. Heavenly Father, bless us this morning as we look into your word, Lord. Uh, bless us this morning as we open our hearts to hear your voice. Um, and I just pray, God, that you would be glorified in, uh, in our lives, um, that through this time that we spend with you today, Lord Jesus, our lives would be enriched uh, and that we would be um, uh, able to go forth from this place, Lord, with some hope, Lord, to share, some light, uh, Lord, to share in this generation. We just thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. So I'm starting with this uh, scripture because um, the question, did he really rise, that's, that's the question. That's the question of, uh, of all time for, uh, for mankind. Um, many people uh, think Jesus was a great teacher, um, think that he was a, um, you know, a, a wonderful person, uh, that what happened to him was a tragedy, and uh, lots of people have different ideas about him. But uh, you go too far when you say that he rose from the dead. Suddenly, that's something completely different. He's not just a great teacher or a great man, but uh, suddenly there's something else uh, about him. And I just want to talk about that uh, a little bit this morning. Um, first of all, it, the, uh, the scriptures are telling us that if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, uh, we will be saved. We use the term saved. What we're talking about is um, that we uh, are born again, we have eternal life, um, if we confess and if we believe. Um, so it's critical, it's like the, uh, it's like the most important question that we can, we can answer. Today, uh, we're going to look at Jesus' resurrection, uh, not just as a historical event that happened, but as an ongoing reality that continues to this day and will continue uh, forever, resurrection life. And uh, often when we talk about the uh, Easter story, um, we observe that uh, it was a woman who first uh, saw Jesus uh, risen from the dead and first shared that. So our, the first evangelist was, uh, was a woman. And that, in that, especially in that day and time, if you want to, uh, one of the proofs uh, that it really did happen 
uh, was that the fact is, is that a woman shared it first because nobody would have made that story up uh, in that day and time. They would have had somebody with some credentials um, testify, but this was a, just Mary Mag Magdalene um, at, the, uh, at the tomb um, who saw him and immediately turned around and began to, to share that. So I thought we would have a woman share this morning for a, a little bit. So I'm going to ask Becky to come and, and share a little bit. I want to give her a good welcome as she comes. I'm going to get you this mic. So I'm just going to start with reading a scripture, which is, um, there's several accounts of what happened at the tomb but this is my favorite because it just has Mary Magdalene. It doesn't have the other women who um, Luke wrote about it as well. But Joe said he wasn't there, so he could have made that Luke up. Luke wasn't there, so he <laughs> but just made that this up. is my favorite um, one of the two scriptures. So <clears throat> it's John 20, 11 through 16, but I'm just going to start with just one second, y'all. I'm sorry. But Mary stood outside the tomb weeping. As she wept, she knelt to look into the tomb and saw two angels sitting there, dressed in white, one at the head, the other at the foot, of where Jesus' body had been laid. They said to her, Woman, why do you weep? They took my master, she said, and I don't know where they put him. After she said this, she turned away, and she saw Jesus standing there, but she didn't recognize him. Jesus spoke to her, woman, why do you weep? Who are you looking for? She was thinking that he was the gardener, and she said, Mister, if you took him, tell me where you put him so I can care for him. Jesus said, Mary. Turning to face him, she said in Hebrew, Rabboni, meaning teacher. So I'm just going to stop right there. Um, just a little bit um, about Mary Magdalene is um, she was cursed with seven demons, and Jesus is the one who cast all the demons out of her. So this woman was totally, totally, completely committed to following the Lord, to doing his work. Um, there's other women that did follow Jesus at the time, a lot of other women, um, but in the scriptures, Mary Magdalene is always first. It names Mary Magdalene and then the other women, and... She also, she gave of her time totally, and she also gave of her finances. So from this story, we can see that Mary was so committed to him that when she got to the tomb and he wasn't there, she was totally, totally devastated because she had counted on this happening. She had counted on Jesus being, rising from the dead, and she didn't count on, you know, his body being gone. So when she got there, she was totally, totally blown away that he wasn't there. So I'm just going to read this one little part of my notes. It says, as Mary waited at the tomb of Jesus, what she hoped for because of what Jesus had done for her, the hope of resurrection life was fulfilled. So when she got there, I'm not going to go any, any more into Mary, but when he spoke to her, for her, that was just like, <sighs> she saw Jesus and she knew that he had risen from the dead. So just one more little thing about her. I, 
I love the um, song selection this morning and just how we sing those words and in my heart sometimes I'm not really I'm not really appreciating what Jesus did for us and how he died but reading this story of Mary brought it all home and how resurrected life in him brings us hope so I just want to uh, tell a little bit about um, our story. So in the same way that Mary Magdalene um, had hope for the resurrection, I have hope. Um, I don't know, everybody here doesn't know um, our story because some of you are visitors today, but to make a long story short, um, we had a son born with a, a heart problem. I'm just going to condense it down to two little sentences. Um, he had a transplant. Um, and then he was waiting on his um, second transplant when he was an older adult. Um, on his last day, as Josh was in the hospital, um, my heart was really, really heavy. Um, I don't know um, if any of you have ever experienced the loss of a child, but it's something that nobody, I pray nobody would ever have to go through. But um, watching him suffer, um, just really broke my heart just watching him that last day and just um I couldn't do anything for him and he was he was in a, a lot of pain they were trying to do a lot of different little things to help him at that time we didn't know that this was his last day because they kept doing all these other little things but you know I just remember him looking at me and he said I want to go home And mom, you wish you could you wish you could be there and not him. But I better read it. Um, sitting beside him after he passed away, I couldn't believe it. The only thing that got me through that horrible day was I knew where Josh was going. Josh knew where he was going, and Josh knew the Lord. I knew that Josh had resurrected life. The only way that I'm able to live day to day is because of Christ dying and rising from the dead. Do I still grieve? Yes, grief never ends. Um, some days are just really, really great, and I'm not even thinking about it. And other days, I'm right back, you know, in that little um, valley where I was when he first passed away. But in those dark times, I'm reminded of the hope. That's the only thing that keeps me honestly going is the hope that Jesus rose for us, the resurrection of Jesus. I know where he is. I know where I'm going. I know where my family's going. That's the only hope I have. And that's what gets me through the darkest days of my life. Amen. Good. Thanks, baby. After my uh, my mom passed away, my my dad like when uh, when I was growing up. My dad had a real distinctive way of answering the telephone. Uh, he always, when he answered the telephone, he'd always say, hello. 
It's kind of had a little sing-song quality to it. It's like a little, you know, it, it almost sounded like music the way that he said it. And uh, after my mom passed away for months after that, and I would call him at home, it would just be like, hello. Just like there's something broke. You know how it is like when you have a baseball bat that's broken and you hit it on the ground, it rattles, you know? Or if you have a cup and you set it down on the counter and it has that dull sound to it, it means it's broken. It's broken. And you can, you can tell from the sound of it that it's broken. Um, I raised uh, boys. Um, we weren't blessed to have any girls until we got daughters-in-laws, and then we got some awesome ones. But um, when you raise boys, you spend more time in the emergency room and a whole lot less on Kleenex, I think. Um, and uh, you can always tell when a, when a boy has, uh, when, when somebody has a broken bone. Have you noticed this? Like, every one of my boys had, had broken something at some point, and I can tell, could tell from looking at their face that there was something seriously wrong. Uh, they get a kind of a shocked look to them. They, they get a kind of a, uh, an ashen uh, a look to them. Um, and you can tell that there's something going on. It's the same thing with a broken heart. It shows on the outside. It sounds, it's, it's, they, they just don't sound. Um, it's the sound of two pieces rubbing together that should be connected. It should be one part rubbing, it's, it's one part rubbing against another that should be one single part. That's what's broken. And that's what's broken in, in people. And this is the reason why Jesus Christ came. Before our son went to heaven, I thought that, you know, eternity was one of those things that was really important and I was really looking forward to it and stuff like that. But I really thought that Christianity was all about the day-to-day living and walking and, and all of that. After my son went to heaven, I've got a whole lot more invested in that. And I come to realize that that's probably the most important thing. What Jesus Christ came to, to do was to save us from our sins and it was to to um, uh, heal us, and it was to teach and all of that. But he came to defeat death, is what he came for. He came to defeat death, and the only way you can defeat death is to die and come back. You can't defeat death by living forever. You defeat it by enduring it and then rising again. Jesus said in, uh, in John chapter 10, Uh, Verse 10, he told us that he came that we might have life and that we might have it abundantly. In the message, uh, the way that uh, Peterson translates it is, uh, I came so that they can have real and eternal life, more and better life than they ever dreamed of. What happened to Jesus Christ is resurrection life came into the world. Up until that time, the one thing that was true of all people is that they would die. Death mocks us. You can have all the money in the world, you can have all the friends in the world, all the fame uh, in the world, and death is going to come knocking at your door. A broken heart. He found Mary Magdalene like this. He found the disciples on the road to Emmaus like this. He found his disciples locked in the upper room like this. In this state... This broken state with broken hearts. You remember when uh, Jesus went to see, um, they they told him that Lazarus uh, was sick, 
Uh, and Jesus waited, you know, several days and then finally started going. And uh, he told his disciples, he said, you know, Lazarus is asleep. And they were like, well, if he's sleeping, then he's getting better. And Jesus is like, no, he's not getting better. He's dead. And then he stood before that tomb, knowing what he was going to do. And he wept. Why did he weep? Because he cares so much about us. Because he cares so much about death. It's not just about whether Jesus rose from the dead. But it's about what does that mean to me? What does that mean to us? What was he doing? What did Mary Magdalene need? What did the, the disciples on the road to Emmaus need? What did, what did the disciples in the locked room need? What, what news could they get? Like, what, what do they need to hear? What, what do they need? Billy Graham said that there's something dreadfully wrong with the world. He said, now what does a dead person need? A dead person does not need a good example. He does not need just encouragement. He does not need better living conditions. He doesn't need a change of environment. He doesn't need more education. Many of our intellectuals, this sounds like Billy Graham, doesn't it? Many of our intellectuals have grown completely disillusioned by the human race. The reason they have been disillusioned is that they have failed to understand that the problem with the human race is a spiritual one. Through Adam's sin, death entered into the world. And every one of us is destined for that because of Adam's sin. A person in this condition, he goes on, does not need encouragement. They don't need advice. They don't need any of the other things we try to use to fill the emptiness, to heal the brokenness, money, possessions, distractions. If people are spiritually dead, there's only one thing that they need, and that is resurrection life. There is nothing, nothing that would have uh, uh, reached or healed Mary Magdalene that morning or those disciples that morning except to see the resurrected Jesus Christ. That's all that they needed. Nothing else would satisfy. There's nothing else that would have helped in their condition. Nothing else that would have healed what was broken on the inside of them. Jesus' conversation with Martha at, uh, when he went to uh, Lazarus' tomb uh, went straight to the point, didn't it? Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection of the last day. She's trying to put a, a brave face on it, you know? She's, she's trying to say something that's got some hope in it. And Jesus is way ahead of her, man. He's it, like, he's like, she's right here. Uh, you know, I, I know eventually I'm going to see him again in the resurrection. And Jesus is, you're looking at it. You're looking at the resurrection from the dead. He said, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? We ought to pause for a minute and have a little dance party is what we ought to do. Because that's reality breaking through the darkness of this world right there. That's a, that's a brilliant light that penetrates everything breaking through the darkness right there and saying death is not the end jesus said everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die and then he says do you believe this so i asked the question did he really rise 
Because you have to answer that question. And the way you answer that question, even if you've answered it a million times before, even if you've, you've answered it every day of your life, we continue to answer that question and resurrection life continues to flow into us. And the effect of the resurrection continues to, to uh, indwell our hearts and give us hope in the most hopeless situations. Resurrection life is applied over and over and over and over again. Martha tried to put a brave face on it, but Jesus sees what we're trying to hide. He hears what we try to deny, and he says, your voice has lost its ring. Here's what happened sometime before dawn in the tomb, which had been hastily donated by Joseph of Arimathea. Jesus' ruined mortal remains, as we call them, lay cold and lifeless on a slab wrapped in a cloth. And God Himself, Jesus taught us to call Him Father, the Father, called His Son by name, like His Son had called Lazarus just a few weeks before. And healing came into His body, but can we even call it healing? Can we even call it that? He was recreated it was the same Jesus, but different. So often people would see him after he'd risen from the dead, and they didn't recognize him. I don't know why. I don't know what that is. People that had spent three years with him, day and night, going through all of this stuff. Mary, of all people. Now I know she was blinded by grief, but still, if you see that person that you're missing, there was something about him that was complete. It was more than you can imagine. It was Jesus in only better. Paul says it this way, this mortal must put on immortality. What you're seeing in Jesus at that is what you're destined for. Because these mortal bodies can't survive eternity. These mortal bodies are not sufficient containers for what's really you. These, these mortal bodies are going to pass away. But the real you is going to get a new one. And it's going to be like Jesus' was. That's the good news. Paul said this mortal must put on immortality. I've seen my share of grief. Well, I shouldn't say that. As long as I'm alive, I've still got a chair to see. There's still suffering in this world. I'm not denying that. I'm not denying when somebody that I love dies and I know that they've gone to heaven that that takes away the pain. It doesn't take it away. Jesus stood before the tomb of Lazarus and he wept. Why? Because he identified with every human being in the loss that people suffer, especially when you really love somebody. I've seen my share of grief. But I've also seen way more than my share of hope and way more than my share of, of joy and expectancy. So it really wasn't a healing that happened to Jesus' body. It was a transformation. Life, yes, but not mortal life. Not the kind of the life that we know, we know. The real life. The life that God destined you for. The life that Adam and Eve lived in the garden before they, before they uh, fell and before they, they sinned. Real life. Eternal life. Came into Him. And He got up. He got up.
What was broken was made whole and more. It was made unbreakable. What were wounds just hours before were transformed into credentials. So I think it's so interesting that Jesus is the, it stands as a lamb that was slain from the foundation of the world. When we see him in heaven, we'll still see those wounds. Those are not flaws. Those are like metals. And you'll have some too. You will have, when you, when you uh, uh, stand before the Lord, there's going to be some reward for you. And I know we're all just like, oh, I don't really need any reward. Don't sell yourself short. Because he's going to rejoice in him just like you rejoice in him. He may even have a crown for you. You know what you're going to do with that crown? You're going to lay it at his feet. Because that's the best thing you can do with a crown. Is give it to him. Never before since Adam's fall had anyone experienced this. Death to eternal life. Abundant life. It's joy unspeakable, life eternal, living water. So is the resurrection real or is it made up? Let me tell you what's really made up, what is made up. I can tell you this is made up. A world, a universe without God. That's, that's made up. Somebody made that up. A creation without a creator. That's just a bad story is what that is, isn't it? Somebody made that up. Existence without life. Living, breathing, but not really being alive. That's made up. That's our version of it. Our version of it is, you know, a, a design without a designer. It all happened. That's our version of it. And he's like, really? That's not a very good story. If you were two or three years old, maybe. But for mature people grow, that, that, that know that design has to have a designer, that creation has to have a creator, that life needs to be lived, not just existence. Here's another one. Sin without death. Some reality that we make up that thinks that sin really doesn't matter. Or sin really isn't sin. That's made up, man. Resurrection life, eternal life has always been there. We've just been blind to it. We've just been deaf to it. The Bible says that He put eternity in our hearts. There's something within us that just knows that this is not all that there is. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's an awareness. It's a, it's a sense that we have that there's more than we can see, than we can touch, and that we can feel. Because He's put eternity in our hearts. It's always been there. But what do we do, man? We blind ourselves to it. Or we deny it. Or we turn away from it. You want to know how we know that He rose from the dead? He was the first one to experience this, but He was not the last. He was the first one to experience this resurrection life. But He's not the last. Because He immediately began raising the dead, starting with Mary. Starting with those disciples in the upper room. Starting with Thomas, who had, you know, he, I mean, he's all talk, you know. He's like, I won't believe unless I, and Jesus said, come on, let's see it, right? And he didn't, did he? All he had to do was see the resurrected Jesus. And not only did, did, did he know that Jesus was alive, but he knew that he was alive too. And he knew that he was not going to die. When he saw the resurrected Lord, it changed his life 
forever. When, he, when Jesus rose from the dead, He immediately began raising the dead. He began fusing broken hearts with eternal life. You know who wrote the New Testament that you're reading? Dead people that He made alive. That's the effect. We don't just know because some people started telling a tall tale. We know because there was an explosion of speaking and writing about Jesus. There was an explosion. The number of, of uh, manuscripts that we have of the, of the New Testament from that time, from shortly thereafter, within the first couple of hundred years, dwarfs the manuscripts that we have of so many other things. That were, they, they were all written at that time. These people couldn't keep it in. They couldn't keep it to themselves. And you don't do that by when you make up a story. These people began turning the Roman Empire upside down from the inside out. And they proved that they were living resurrection life. You know how? Because they weren't afraid to die. That's how you know that it's resurrection life. Because they weren't afraid to die. They were fearless. They were peaceful, loving, warm, fearless people that faced the worst that the Roman Empire could throw at them and overcame. Death no longer frightened them. Death had lost its power over them. Romans 6.9 says, Christ rose from the dead and will never die again. Death no longer has any power over Him and it no longer has any power over you either. They didn't just burst out of that upper room on, Pentecost, on the day of Pentecost. They exploded out of their old lives into new life. And out of Jerusalem into the whole world. And out of the kingdom of this world into the kingdom of God. They didn't just talk about it, they lived it. Even to the point of following their Lord to death. What Jesus did is heal that brokenness that was on the inside of them. And what's what He does with us today too. Did He really rise? It's the question that you must answer. It's the, it's the most important question of life. Romans 10, 9 and 10, because... If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you shall be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. There's one part of that that I've done the best I can today to, um, to help you to be able to come to a place where you can say yes or no. Historically, something, something happened at that time and history changed. Something dramatic happened. That wasn't just people making up a story. You have to decide whether you believe that that was resurrection life. But listen, if you have experienced resurrection life, there's no doubt in your mind. And like I said, we come back to it often. We come back to it over and over again because we're short, we, we have short memories. Even if we're not real old, we have short memories. We experience things and then we move on and we forget them. We go through life and, and these things happen and this thing happens and suddenly we start looking short-sighted. We, we, we forget the rest of the story. Then what happens next? So let me just 
walk you through this, okay? It says, if you believe, if you, if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord, and that's not just saying some words, that's saying that He is the authority in your life. He's the master. He's the boss. Um, he's the, some people call Him the big guy. You have no idea how big He really is, okay? Some people call Him the man upstairs. I don't know where the stairs are, but He's above all of it, Okay? If you confess that He is Lord, that means His way of doing things is, is now the authority in your life. It's not just saying a word, it's putting yourself under His authority. Look, I believed in God before I became a believer. I believed in God from the time I was a kid. I was raised to believe in God. The problem with me was He didn't have any authority in my life. And if He doesn't have authority in your life, then you're not in Him. And I don't know what you're believing in, but you're not really believing in who He is because He is Lord of all. He created everything that's around us. He has surrounded us with a great cloud of witnesses, and those witnesses are not just people. They're all the things that He's made as well. And there's also this emptiness and longing in your own heart without Him. Every person has an empty place in their heart, a broken place in their heart. And we know this. We try to fill it, and it's insufficient. I believed that there was a God, but it didn't have anything to do with me. But when I made Him Lord of my life, everything changed. Beginning with my identity of myself. Because no longer did I have to discover who I was or make a name for myself. I simply was who He said that I was. That's the greatest day of my life, man. I'm still walking in that. I don't have to make a name for myself. I don't have to discover who I am. All I have to do is listen to Him and He'll tell you who you are. And I guarantee you, His version of you is way better than your version of you. His version of what He says that you are, what He has created you to be. Because He knows, man. We're blind to ourselves, but He's not. He knows us. And the first thing that He tells you is, you're His. He says, you're mine. You're my child. So if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord, and that's willingly putting yourself in that relationship, relenting, stop fighting, stop avoiding, stop denying. Jesus told um, Thomas, um, you know, no longer be an unbeliever, but believe. Thomas thought he was strong enough to not, but God was pursuing him, see? And God's pursuing every one of us. He's not satisfied just to leave us to our own lostness, to our own brokenness. He cares so much. And then believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead. And that also is not just believing that Jesus was raised from the dead, but that resurrection life has entered into the world. This world has changed, man. There was no resurrection life before Jesus Christ rose from the dead. After that, He started freely giving it out. He started freely freely giving it out, along with the Holy Spirit. He's, 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 he's generously, lavishly giving it, giving it out, man. And that's what transformed them, and that's what changed the world. That's why they couldn't understand what was going on with these people. They thought they could intimidate them. They thought they could, what can you do with somebody that's not afraid to die? What can you do with them? How do you intimidate them? Once that's been taken out of the way, they they joyfully went. Why? Because they knew that this life is just one thin veil. Then this physical body is a pale is a is a poor substitute for this physical body that God is going to give us. 
That everything, everything waits just on the other side of death. Not only that, I'm not living my life looking for eternity. I'm living it in eternity right now. The only difference between now and then is going to be I get to trade these old duds in for some really good ones. For some really good ones. Walk through walls, you know, walk on water, I guess. You know, whatever it's, I, I don't even have any idea. It's going to be fun. And believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. If you came this morning and you're in that condition, and I'm not just talking if, if you're, uh, you, you came this morning and you were not a believer in Jesus Christ, every one of us is broken, man. And every one of us needs that healing touch from the Savior. And if you have come this morning and that's the condition of your heart, I, I just want you to know he wants, he, he doesn't want you to go through this by yourself. His heart breaks when he sees his, ch- his children alone, when they don't know who they are and they don't know what they're supposed to be doing. And what he wants to do is to take you and gather you to himself. And just start with that, man. Not with what do you want to do next or anything like that. Just feel his breath on you. Just feel his life. Feel his arms around you. Feel everlasting arms wrap you up and hold you. And you know what he's going to say to you? And he's not like other people might say this. They don't know what they're talking about. He'll say to you, it's going to be okay. No, it's really going to be okay. I got you, is what he's saying to you. Let's just pause for a second. And do you want, y'all want to come and. We're going to go, come to the communion table this morning. You don't have to be a member here uh, to fully participate. Jesus set this table. Um, Cindy did such a beautiful job of setting the table today, and she's got the theme of the uh, scarlet uh, thread. This reminds me of uh, Rahab um, and the salvation that she provided and that God provided for her. This, was, this, this scarlet thread represents the blood of Jesus Christ, that he saw her in her condition, and he reached out to her, and he saved her, and he's doing the same thing with us today, the same thing he wants to do with you. Let's pause for just a second, okay? Can I have the elders? Thank you, Lord. Lord, we want to come to this table prepared. We want your spirit to do that preparation. So often we turn a deaf ear to your spirit, but right now, Lord, we're intensely listening to you. We're intensely looking to you, Lord. We're so aware of the things that separate us from you, Lord. Sometimes we're not as nearly as aware of the power that you hold over everything, every single one of those things, Lord. That no sin, no fear, nothing can separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. Because you have paid the price. Not only that, you have risen from the dead to show us what God has in store for us. If you've never prayed this prayer before, it's, it's a very simple prayer. Just say, Jesus, come into my heart and be Lord in my life. If this past week has been one of disappointment or failure, 
and you know the Lord, you say the same thing. Lord, establish yourself in my life as Lord over my life. I don't want to run from you, and I don't want to hide from you. If you're broken, He wants to heal you. And there's healing in His hands, there's healing in His touch, there's healing in His presence. Tell Him what you want. Tell Him what you need. And let Him tell you what He has for you. Thank you for it. Thank you for it. Hallelujah. On the night He was betrayed, He took the bread and He broke it. And he gave it to his disciples and he said, take this and eat it. This is my body which was broken for you. He took the cup. And he said, this cup is the cup of my blood, of the new and everlasting covenant. be shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in memory of me. Let's stand together. So uh, 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 Mike uh, Benedetti is one of our elders, and he's uh, over here if you want prayer. Um, nope. Johnny and Johnny Watkins is on this side if you want prayer. Maybe you just want to have somebody pray for you or just pray with you before you come to communion, and you're welcome to do that. We come from the sides and then uh, receive the elements, and then you're free to go. Share them with somebody if you want to do that. Um, and God bless you this morning. And, and God keep you. I know that sometimes it's a it's a it's difficult, you know, to uh, to receive everything God has for us. But it's not going to end here. It ends as you walk out the door, and it ends when you go back into your life. And uh, God bless you as you go. Keep coming. We will cry.
greatest day in history. Death is beating, you have rescued me. Sing it out, Jesus is alive. The empty cross, the empty grave. Life eternal, you have won the day. Shout it out, Jesus is alive. He's alive. And oh, happy day, happy day. You wash my sin away. And oh, happy day, happy day. I'll never be the same Forever I am changed And when I stand in that 